0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our series called Managing Your Inner World, and it explores the things that Jesus said about how to have happiness in life, something everyone wants but may try to secure in the wrong way or not understand how to attain it at all. The Bible gives us clear direction on how to manage our inner world so that we can experience true happiness in life. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, we started a series a few weeks back called Managing Your Inner World, From the fourth part of that today, Jesus understood uh, the importance of what goes on inside of you is actually more important than what's going on around you because what's going on inside of you is going to determine how you'll handle, respond, and things that you'll do with things around you. In fact, you can have two people facing the very same challenges of life, the very same issues, and then you can have two completely different responses Uh, to those challenges. And it's because those people have different attitudes. They have a different perspective, perhaps coming from their past, Uh, different fears, anxieties, stresses in their world. Their emotional well-being can be different. Their mental health can be different. All of these things have this in common. They're all things going on inside of us. And what's going on inside of us determines how we handle what's going on around us. And so, That's why Jesus begins to talk in Matthew chapter 5 about our inner world and uh, what's commonly called the Beatitudes, uh, or we could simply call it how to be truly happy, because that's what the word blessed means. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You know, our first thought when you hear the word righteousness is you think, well, that must be about moral uprightness. That must be what the scripture is talking about. After all, that's a good thing—living a morally upright life and being godly uh, with your with your actions, all of that, all your choices. Uh, you know, that's a good thing as well. And, and of course, the scriptures have a lot to say about morality and about right and wrong and all of those sorts of things. The New Testament talks about you know making choices in your life with the goal of pleasing God, that that becomes the motive of your, of your uh, walk with the Lord. It's like, you know, I'm gonna make choices that are God-honoring and God-pleasing. And so I wanna please God. I don't, I don't wanna just be a people pleaser. You know, I wanna please God. I don't wanna just pursue my own appetites and wants and lusts or whatever. I wanna please God, not just please myself. In fact, I'll even deny myself in order to please God. I want to please God by living a God-honoring life. Now, all of that is true, and all of that is important, but this passage is actually speaking to something more than just moral excellence. Moral excellence is a conscious choice. It's not something that we hunger and thirst after. I mean, to put that analogy of hungering and thirsting and being satisfied beside just moral excellence, it's not really a fit. I mean, you don't like, oh, I just hunger and thirst, you know, to have integrity and be honest with people. No, that, that's, not real. that's not how we describe that. We describe those things as choices that we make in life. It's speaking to something that is comparable to having hunger or having thirst in your life. And when you're hungry and thirsty, have you noticed how it just dominates your life? Like in that moment when you're really hungry, like in about an hour from now, that's all you're gonna be thinking about. It's just the way it is. It dominates you when you when you get at that place where you're really hungry. Have you ever been on a, on a road trip and you're getting like well past lunchtime, but there's nothing in sight and you've got a little ways to go before the next town? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's where it's like, oh, I just can't wait to get to the next town. I wanna to get something to eat. And, and maybe you've had that happen and you're, you're, you know, you're getting past that time. The hunger is setting in, all the rest of it. You know, and then you see a sign that says how far it's gonna be. You know, and then you're like, man, it's only 60 minutes from now. And you know, a little while later, you're checking your clock. Oh, it's only 45 more minutes. You know, Only 30 minutes, we finally get to eat. Of course, if you have kids, you have to remind them it's only two more minutes. Just two more minutes. Keep dragging that one on, you know. And um, you're you're in the car. You're hungry. And you're talking about where you're going to eat when you get there. And, and, and maybe in that moment, your favorite restaurants are coming to mind. And, you know, you start thinking, oh, maybe they'll have an Earl's and we can get a jambalaya. You know, I like, I like that. Or maybe they'll have a Joey's and I'll get, you know, a lettuce wrap with that nice little sauce that you get to put on. And that'll be awesome. Maybe they'll have a keg and I, I can get a, a steak. That would be awesome if we get a steak. And then you drive up to this town with a population of under 500 and it has an A&W attached to a, a shell station, right? And you're like, pop a burger, let's go, you know? You're hungry, anything will do. It's like, this is awesome. After all, you're hungry, you just want something to eat, and you arrive, you order, you eat, and then you're satisfied. Well, hold that thought, and let's look at the word righteousness. The word righteousness actually means the fulfillment of expectations in any relationship. The fulfillment of expectations in any relationship. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the fulfillment of their expectations towards God. They will be satisfied. In other words, you're living a life where you're believing that God will do what he has said he will do in your life. You're living a life where you are hungry for and you are thirsting after God's will and God's promises and God's plan for your life. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for the fulfillment of their expectations towards the Lord. They will be satisfied. That's how we could paraphrase that. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for the expectation of what God said he would do in their life They will be satisfied. Happy people are believing for God's promises to come into their life. That's the key to happiness, right there, is that you just hold on to a faith that says, I know God's got promises, I know what they are, I can point them out in the scripture, and I'm believing for those promises to come to pass in my life. How do you keep your promises, your happiness, rather? How do you keep believing? Think about righteousness in regards to our relationship to one another. We all have expectations that we carry around inside of us when it comes to how we treat one another, how you expected to be treated by other people. And so, for instance, you might expect other people to be kind to you, to be patient with you, to be polite to you, to be fair, to be reasonable with you. And when someone treats you in that way, we could say they're in right standing with you. Why? Because they've met those expectations. Because they're living up to your expectations, you can call them righteous or in right standing with you. So what is God expecting of us? Genesis chapter 15 and verse five. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky, and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. We fulfill God's expectations of of us by our faith towards him. That's what God is expecting. He's expecting you to believe. Through our faith towards God, we experience the fulfillment of our expectations of him. Now, what does God ask us to do? He asks us to believe. Believing causes us to experience the fulfillment of his promises. He gives us promises, and then he just says, I want you to believe, just believe. Abraham, or Abram, believed what God said about his life, and God considered him righteous because of his decision to believe when God gave him a promise, what is God expecting from you? What is he expecting from me? He's expecting faith towards him and faith towards his promises. That's what he's expecting. When, you know, G- Jesus comes and provides salvation, what does God say to do? I want you to believe in my son. I want you to believe. In other words, don't put your trust, don't put your faith in anything else for your forgiveness of sins, for eternal life, or anything. He says, just believe in the cross, just believe in the resurrection, just believe in what Jesus has done for you, and that's all that you need to do. He wants us to believe in his word, believe in his ways, believe in his provision for salvation, believe in his promises, and when I believe God, I'm fulfilling God's expectations towards me, and believing is how I experience God fulfilling my expectations towards him. It's like a two-way street. Religion would teach you to think that the only thing that pleases God is living a morally good life. You know, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't run with those that do. <laughs> Yet when God came to Abraham, what does he do? He says, I want you to leave the life you're living. I have a new life for you. Follow me. Follow me. Trust me. Follow me. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I'm going to do something amazing in your life if you'll just follow me. When Jesus recruited his disciples, he asked them to follow him. They had had their own little world. He says, I want you to leave that world. Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, you're about to make a big difference in the world if you'll just choose to follow me. You see, You can be a morally good person, but if you don't trust Jesus enough to follow him, then you can miss not only your purpose in life, but also the true meaning of Christianity, which is a relationship with him. I can be a good person and never get to know God in my life. I can follow moral guidelines and never follow Jesus and how he wants me to make a difference with my life. I can live up to the expectations of character without even getting to know Christ. And that's kind of a scary thing when you think about it, because a lot of times people living up to those expectations have convinced themselves, uh, you know, perhaps because of religious teaching out of their past or whatever, that, well, if I'm living up to these expectations of morality and character, I guess that's what it means to be right with God. No, that's not what it means to be right with God. That might be the result of you being right with God, but what it means is you put your faith in Jesus and you've decided, I believe what he did on the cross, pays for my forgiveness, now I'm gonna follow him. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to put your faith in God. Believing leads to following, and following is how you develop your knowing. That's how you grow in your relationship with God. Abraham believed God, and God called him righteous because of it. He fulfilled God's expectation of him to believe. Hebrews chapter eleven six 6 emphasizes the importance of faith when it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. He doesn't say it's hard to please God. He doesn't say it's, it's difficult. He doesn't say it's challenging. He says, it's impossible. It can't happen. You cannot live a God-honoring, God-pleasing life without faith towards God. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and, and, can everybody say and? And that he rewards those who seek him. He reward, In other words, it's not just enough to believe that he exists, but God says, I also want you to believe that I am active in your life right now that I'm going to answer prayers, that I'm going to act on your behalf, that I'm going to set up your destiny, that I'm going to lead you, I'm going to guard you, I'm going to heal you, I'm going to resource you, I'm going to do great things through your life that are going to make a difference in this world. God's got a plan for this world, and he plans to use you as part of that plan. You've got to believe not just that he exists, but that he wants to work in and through your life and reward those who seek him. Once again, the scriptures are emphasizing the role of faith in our walk with God. You gotta believe he exists. That's the starting place. And you gotta believe that he wants to work in and through your life. And happiness is living with that expectation of what God's gonna do with your life. Now, how do we keep believing? How do we keep believing? Well, let's talk about this for a little bit. First of all, faith is born out of relationship. Faith is born out of relationship. You know, Abram was promised not only a family, but a nation. He was promised that his life would be blessed to be a blessing. And it wasn't like Abraham was sitting around one day and opened up some scrolls and read that somewhere and decided, oh, that must be about me. No, that was a relationship with the Lord. That was something that came out of of his relationship with God. That promise came out of a place of relationship. In other words, he didn't just randomly decide what to expect from the Lord, but out of having a relationship with God, he discovered God's purposes for his life, his direction in life came out of a place of getting to know God. The same thing happens in our lives today. As you pursue getting to know Jesus in prayer, in worship, in church, in his word, getting to know the Holy Spirit, welcoming the Holy Spirit in your life, your expectations will grow and those expectations will be born inside of you by the Spirit of God. God will put in your heart expectations that he wants you to expect of him to do in your world. God will fill your heart with his dream for your future as you pursue getting to know him. Expectation isn't random. Expectation isn't a shopping list expectation is lit inside of you because you hunger and thirst for righteousness that is you believe that God wants to work in and through your life and you want to know God's purposes and his plan for your life and and you do so with that a level of intensity that the Bible says it's like you're hungry or like you're thirsty this isn't for a casual attender by the way uh, this, this, you know, what I mean is this isn't for, well, I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday because I call myself a Christian. There, I've done my like God thing for the week. No, 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 this, is, this isn't for that. This isn't for CEMs. So what are these? You know, people come to church, Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. This is for the hungry. Yeah. This is for the passionate. Yeah. This is for those who make it a priority to know Jesus, to seek him, that their greatest desire that they've set in their heart is, I want to know God's plan and God's purpose, and I want to walk in it in my life. I want to fulfill it. I want to be that person that shows up in heaven and hears the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. It's not just those who window shop their faith. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, people that go through the Bible and then they just pick out the parts they like and kind of skip over the parts that might be a little bit challenging in terms of commitment or sacrifice. And so they're like, they're like going through the Bible going, I have some heaven, yeah, that sounds good. I have some blessing, we'll put a little bit of that in there. I have some harmony in my relationships, we'll put that in there. I have some peace and some joy, we'll put that in there. And then they go pick up the next thing, it says, commitment to a local church. <laughs> I don't think I need that this week. Pick up another one, it says, tithing. Do, do you have this in like a children's size or a sample pack, maybe something a little, a little smaller, this Holiness, ooh, that's strong. Do you have the mild version of holiness? Listen, sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Let's say it again. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. Jeremiah 29, 13, the scripture says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. It's talking about that intensity. It's talking about that passion. It's talking about that hunger and thirsting for God's will in your life. Expectation comes from a place of relationship with God. Faith is active. It's not passive. You know, right after God told Abram that uh, what he had planned to do with his life, the scripture says that Abram had to walk in the direction that God called him to go. He, he, he literally said, I want you to leave this, follow me, we're going here. The point is that he couldn't be passive about the expectations that God had placed in his heart. He began to act in a direction that complemented God's promise for his life. And that's what faith does. Faith pursues the promises of God. It's not passive towards them. Faith does not take a wait and see approach. Instead, you know, like look at the illustration. He's talking about being hungry and being thirsty. Listen, when you're hungry and you're thirsty, you don't sit down and wait for a restaurant to get built across the street. What? You go searching for it. You go looking for it. You you are intentional and intense towards getting, you're pursuing getting satisfied. You're not waiting to see when it's gonna happen. You are not the spectator of what God is doing in your life, you're an active member. James chapter two and verse 14, scripture says this, what use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What? Use is that. In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. The scripture here is not talking about clothing and feeding the poor, but it is using it as an example to simply say to us, how ridiculous would it be for you to have someone in your world who was hungry and needed clothing And for you just simply to make some kind of statement of be warmed and be filled, God bless you and then do nothing about meeting that need. It's using it as an illustration to say, if you really believe God wants to bless that person, then go do something about it and and watch watch that work. That faith with what works is faith that is alive, faith that that is happening. So here's my question for you. What are you doing about what you're believing for? What are you doing about what you are believing for? Maybe I should have asked another question. What are you believing for? What are you believing for? Don't just have a dream. Don't just have a vision. Don't just have promises that you've found in God's word. Don't just have expectation for your life about what you're believing God wants to do with you. Do have all of those things, but have corresponding action with those expectations. Don't just have a belief, have a walk. Abraham believed, but if Abraham believed and didn't take action, he'd have never arrived at his expectations. You know, there's a, a passive theology um, that I, I sometimes hear. Uh, I've even heard it out of pastors, to be frank with you. And, and it's, it's a theology that goes like this. Well, you know, God is sovereign and and kind of, Beneath that statement is this sense that it doesn't really matter what we do. God's just gonna do whatever God wants to do. God is sovereign. Yes, he is. But that does not absolve you of responsibility. That doesn't mean that there isn't your part in connecting with his sovereignty. Well, you know, God's just gonna do what God wants to do. Yes, he is but he plans to do it with and through you. You'll experience his sovereignty in the context of pursuing his dream for your life. You gotta hear this. You're going to experience God's sovereignty in the context of pursuing his dream for your life. You know, uh, as I think about our church history, this year being 30th year, every facility that, we've had and have right now has certainly been an act of God's sovereignty. Absolutely. But I can also say this. Every facility that we have had and have right now has also been an act of our pursuit. Yeah. Of us saying, God, we got a dream. we got a dream to build a church that's gonna make a difference in our city. we got a dream to reach people. God, we need more space. We've filled this one up. we got to find something. And when we actively engaged in it, and then what happens is this our active pursuit came to a point of intersecting with God's sovereignty and we experienced his provision. You will experience his sovereignty in the context of pursuing his dream for your life. You don't experience it in passivity. It's not like, well, this is what I feel like God wants to do in my life. So I'm just going to kind of wait on the Lord and see what happens. Ain't going to happen. You know, Here's a small, small example, but it's a recent one, so I'll share it. When we felt like we really needed to go to Merit and then decide, well, let's take, take the interns and, and uh, introduce them to hard physical labor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we needed a vehicle, but we, specifically we needed like a large van and... Um, you know, most, most rental companies, frankly, don't, don't even carry these things. And uh, so anyway, somebody said, well, you should, you should call Driving Force. They, they carry them. Um, the, the kicker is this. We also need that van to be equipped with, with snow tires because we're going into BC, and that's what you have to have to be legal and also to stay on the road. At any anyway, rate, Michelle, my assistant, phones up Driving Force, and the lady says this. We have a 12-passenger van that was supposed to go to British Columbia It has the snow tires on, and the people that were going to use it just canceled, so you can have it. That's called the intersection of pursuing and God's sovereignty at the same time. We experienced God's provision, but it was in the context of pursuing the vision. What are you doing about what you're believing for in your life? What are you doing about what you're believing for in your business? what are you doing about what you're believing for in your family? What are you doing about what you're believing for in your health? You know, sometimes we need a miracle, but often what we actually need is the intersection of pursuing our vision and God's provision. To keep believing is a fight worth fighting. To keep believing is a fight worth fighting. The scripture tells us that Hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, if I already have something, I already have a bottle of water, I don't have to hope to have a bottle of water. I don't have to, I already got it. If I've got this bottle of water in the fridge, you know, I'm like, okay, I know I got a bottle of water in the fridge, I have to go open the door and it'll be mine. In other words, I've already figured out how to get this. I, I don't need hope to get that either. But it's when things are not seen and we don't see how it can come to pass, That's when you need hope. The promises of God in your life are meant to give you hope for what is not seen. It's when things are not working out, things have messed up, things have gone off the rails, and there's a need in your life that the promises of God become your hope to stand on. Romans chapter four and verse 18 says, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, excuse me, God counted him as righteous. This is now like 25 years after initially receiving the promise of God saying, you're gonna have a son, Abraham. As a matter of fact, you're gonna be the father of a nation. It's even bigger than just your family, something really great's gonna come out of your life. Abraham is living his life with this dream. but it hasn't happened yet and, and uh, you know as as he's going on with time i'm sure what's going through in the back of his mind is lord it just keeps getting less likely every year you know i just keep getting older and older and all the rest of it and and if his faith was founded on his circumstances he was certainly losing his footing and if his faith was founded on rationale he's a crazy man okay what abraham was believing for however came out of relationship with the lord And as the scripture says, faith actually became stronger over time, not weaker. Think about that. God's given you a promise. Years have gone by. But your faith towards God's promise is actually greater than when you first heard it. It's increased. I haven't seen it yet, but I believe all the more. It's not happened yet, but I'm even more convinced than I was at first. The circumstances are even less favorable, but I'm more convinced anyway. How is it that Abraham didn't become discouraged, disappointed, depressed, disillusioned, or even distracted and just give up? Though it was 25 years of not seeing the promise come to pass and only getting older, it was also 25 more years of walking with God. It was also 25 more years of meditating on what God had promised him. It was also 25 more years of, from time to time, the Lord reminding him, hey, Abraham, this is what's gonna happen in your life. God reminded him more than once. It was 25 more years of not losing the dream, but just meditating on that dream, meditating on that vision. It was 25 years of prayer where he would remind God, hey, Lord, I just want to remind you, you gave me a promise. Remember that promise? Don't forget that promise, God. I haven't forgot that promise. It's been a while. I hope you got a good memory. (laughs) Even when Abraham messed up, and he didn't mess up, you know, Sarah's like, hey, Abe, you know, you're supposed to have kids, but, you know, we're old. So, how about you take our maid here and have a baby through her? And maybe that's how God wants to do this. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> they have a baby named Mishmael. What does God do? Shows up and he says, he ain't the, he ain't the promised son. That's not how this is going to go down. You and Sarah are going to have a child. Just kept giving him reasons to believe. How do you keep believing when the circumstances are discouraging? What do you do in times of discouragement? How do you respond when circumstances of life seem to be going in the opposite direction to your dream? Does it paralyze you? Do you just freeze, just go like, ah, I don't know what to do? Or, or here's another favorite, just complain. Complain. Just complain. It's the easiest response for all of us to have, to begin to criticize and complain about what's happening, how bad things have gotten, how impossible it seems to be. Listen, complaining has never changed your circumstance, but it has always changed your heart and not for the better. Complaining is how we stop believing God for his promises and we start accepting our problems. When we complain, we have shifted our expectation off of God and his promises and onto our troubles. I said, I believe those more than I believe God's promises. Do you let your beliefs shift into negativity? Sometimes people can just get so negative when things go wrong. They're like more understanding and more accepting and more believing in things not working out than when things do go well. And you can hear it in their language. Things don't work out. Things mess up. And they're like, well, it figures. Well, that always happens to me. Well, sure enough. It's like, subtly behind the scenes you were actually believing for things not to happen and if you pray for them to happen and you actually get the answer you wanted you're like in shock listen if you stop believing like you should you'll stop acting like you should and then you'll not reach the point where you receive fulfillment in your expectations keeping your faith towards God through discouragement is vital to fulfillment how do you do that a couple things real quick before we close first of all Put your attention on the promises of God. Listen, when you're facing difficult circumstances, studying the circumstances won't cause you to have more faith. It won't. But getting God's word in your heart in spite of the circumstances is your foundation to believe for those circumstances to change. But in the face of, of as Abraham was said, hope against hope. In other words, this is hopeless, but I'm still choosing hope. How could you choose hope? I got a promise from God. I don't know how God's going to change things. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I'm holding fast to the promises of God. This is why we emphasize around here so much the importance of daily getting into God's word, reading the Bible, getting the word of God in your heart so you have those promises as the foundation of your life. Listen, when life is at its worst, find a verse. Here's the second thought, and that is this. Put your hope, in the faithfulness of God. You know, you're challenged to have hope in the situation. It's okay, you can still have hope in the one who's over the situation. You can keep hope in the faithfulness of God. That's what Sarah did. The Bible says that Sarah considered him faithful. When you can't see anything else that gives you hope, consider the faithfulness of God. He's been faithful in history. He's been faithful in your past. He's been faithful in the lives of others around you. He'll be faithful in your future. He'll be faithful in your today. Put your hope in the faithfulness of God. Let's stand as we take a moment to pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray for all of us that are here. And I pray, Father, that as we seek you, as we talked about getting into your presence, being a passionate pursuer of our relationship with Jesus, that you would fill our hearts with your expectations. You would fill our hearts with your dream for our life. You would fill our hearts with your, your vision that we would live, Lord, as your word says, hungering and thirsting for the expectation of fulfillment until we are satisfied. Father, I pray that that would be what defines our life, that we would hunger for your promises to come to pass, that we would thirst after your purposes in our life. But God, not only that, that we would know what they are by the Holy Spirit, by our walk with you out of relationship, Lord, will vision fill our hearts. And I pray that for each and every one is here. Lord, don't let us miss one of the greatest adventures of knowing you, and that is to also know what it is you wanna do in and through our life. In Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for those that are here, those that are watching online, and and that is a prayer about salvation. You know, maybe maybe in your mind you've thought, well, Christianity—that's, you know, that's kind of like living a certain way. It's all about moral excellence, and, and and you look at that and you go, well, the bar is just too high. I, I I don't think I can really make that choice because it just seems like there's too much there. Well, let me let me share an insight for you, and that is this. The bar's too high for everybody because God asked us to be holy as he is holy. But the truth of the matter is, is God took care of that through Jesus. That Jesus paying for our sins is what makes us right with him when we put our faith in what Christ did for us Rather than looking at our performance and wondering if we'll do good enough for God, God's never called your performance to be the doorway to a relationship with him. He's always called your faith to be the doorway to a relationship with him, your faith towards he, what he's provided. Maybe you've had a, a thinking even in your mind that Christianity is all about just you know, your choices in life and moral excellence, and, and that's what it means to, to you know, be a Christian, if you will, and yet we talked today about, no, it's about following Jesus. It's about a relationship with God. And maybe today needs to be a shift in your heart where you stop judging yourself based on how good or bad you're doing and you just decide, you know what? I'm just gonna embrace my relationship with Christ, what he's done for me. I'm gonna get to know Jesus and I'm gonna focus a whole lot more on following him rather than performing for him. Maybe that's where you're at today, but either way, we invite you to pray with us right now as we all pray together and allow your, your heart to be changed before the Lord. Let's pray this together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you went to the cross. You died and rose again. You paid for the sins of the world. And I believe you paid for me. I ask you to forgive me. I invite you into my life, confessing you as my Savior and Lord. I'm gonna follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our message today from our series, Managing Your Inner World. If you're wanting to know more about Celebration Church or if you would like to partner with us financially, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com. You can follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook at Celebration EDM to connect with us. Join us next week to hear another great message from our series, Managing Your Inner World.